Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. It's your girl, Alice Jasmine, and welcome to Hello Latino. I am always so excited to, to do these episodes, but this one in particular, I feel like is going to have y'all tearing up a little bit, snapping, um, tearing up again, and then maybe snapping some more. <laughs> but really excited for y'all to hear from Noel Claudio, a first-gen Puerto Rican and Dominican from Philly. Through every single adversity Noel experienced, which you'll hear about in this episode, he talks about the privilege and gratitude he has for making it far after his parents migrated from Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic. And now he spends hella time with our communities, being an advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And when he's not out here inspiring people left and right, doing keynote speeches, he works at Twitter where he specializes in strategy and operations. And I have to share this with y'all. What I love most about this episode is Noel's ability to see silver linings in even the most painful of moments and reminds us all that gratitude is such a powerful feeling. So catch Noel on my LinkedIn audio series, Hello First Gen. Y que disfruten and enjoy this conversation, y'all. Let's get to it. You ready? You excited? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> and I just have to let everybody know he showed up with his like fresh fade and like his Twitter mug, like showing up. He's showing up for real. <laughs> I'm always, always ready. And I come from Philadelphia and in Philly, we rock the fades all the time, every day. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Were you like a, I don't know if this is like generalizing a whole population of people, but were you like a Fresh Prince fan? I was, and I I think um, it's hard for you to find uh, anyone who is from or lives in Philadelphia who is not a fan of the Fresh Prince. So okay, okay. So I'm like, can I generalize that? <laughs> like, I was a fan of Fresh be. Prince, and I wasn't from Philly. <laughs> right. So you expect people from Philly, and we actually do in Philadelphia love uh, Will Smith. Like he's a he's an icon to us, like a hero. I love it. I I'm really so excited that you're here. Um, I forget how we got connected. Do you remember how we got connected? Did I just reach I, out to you? <laughs> That's what no, tends to no, happen. I, I, I think it was through, um, and I think it was through some mutual connections um, via email and then LinkedIn. Oh, oh, I, it was it. I know who it was. It was Kata, Catalina. Yes. That's who That's it was. What, I was like, yes. who who would connect me with people? <laughs> I always Catalina. She is like misconnection. But no, I'm so happy that you're in this space and that you're here to tell your story. I think we briefly touched upon your story when we had our, our prep call, but just really excited to have you here. Um, and I want to start with the first question. And just to kind of give you some context, 
I've asked this question in every single episode and no one has answered the same. So I'm always like so curious to hear from what people are going to say. Right. But the first question is, how do you identify and why? As he sips from his Twitter mug. (laughs) I I had to think about this for a second because I knew the first question was going to be hard. This is, I'm sure everyone has a different answer, um, especially there's many different ways to go, right? In terms of pronouns, my identity, where I'm from, where I was raised. I keep it pretty simple. I, from an identification standpoint, I'm a first generation Latino. I am from Puerto Rico, the Republica Dominicana, so Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic. Um, and that's how I identify myself. However, I do, I know there's some conflicts and controversy over the term Latinx as well being used. Um, I do use that in academic circles, but when someone says, where are you from? Or are you Latino or Hispanic? For me, I always go with Latino. You know, you just raised um, something so interesting because I think like even me mentioning, I've had so many people on this podcast, 55 people, I've asked them the same question and no one's ever answered the same. It only goes to show that one, there is so much liberation, right? And how we can choose to identify, but also for Latinos specifically, it's really confusing sometimes, right? Like the Hispanic versus Latino versus Latinx versus Latina. Like it's, it's always been just so interesting. And I know there's even like some new um, yeah. terms emerging like Latine, I've heard. Um, but it's it's very interesting, right? That there's so much that goes into identity. But I think for Latinos, there's like a whole different layer of like, you can choose from a whole like pool of things, right? And like Hispanic Heritage Month, it's like Latino, Hispanic slash Latinx heritage month you know it's it's very it's you raise that interesting like thought for me like it's really complicated for us sometimes to identify it's a it's a challenge uh i I don't know if anyone has gotten it right or will get it right i think there will always be conversations around it i think from an academic standpoint people have used latinx and that turned that tend to be a term that stuck on for a long time but it's, it also may not be the right thing either for people who are living outside of the U.S. who can't pronounce the X, who something as Latin A is a lot more Spanish-like, for example. And then speaking of Spanish, mm-hmm. right, people from Spain are going to think a little differently than people in the Caribbean versus people in Brazil and, and all around. So I go with Latino. I'm also from the Caribbean. And for me, like, I love the Taino connection um there as well with the when you say the word latino um there so i i go with that but it's it's definitely a conversation that is going to continue to go on for a long time mm. and uh, like so on brand for latinos right to always like never agree <laughs> <laughs> I uh, think we, don't, I, we don't agree on probably, a lot we don't agree on a lot there's always some opinions but it's so funny because i was cracking up and you probably saw this like on twitter or something someone was like the reason why we celebrate um, Hispanic Heritage Month on the 15th is because we're always late to everything. And so this is just another thing we're late to. <laughs> and I was like, why Why are we like this? Like, for real, though. <laughs> it's, it's usually, it's, I don't understand where that all comes from, but anyone who's grown up with, you know, Hispanic, Latino parents, like, you will come across that all the time. Like, I, I was one of those people um, when, for example... Time. When I had to go to like 
growing up as a kid, when I had to go to church, I would not go because I didn't want to because my parents would end up coming like 15 minutes late all the time. And then you walk in late and everyone turns around and looks at you as a person who walks in late. I'm mm-hmm. like, I do not want to do this. I'd rather be there early. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, my. So you like being early. And are you good on it now? Would you say? I've gotten better. There was a time when when I was a kid, I was way better at time management, which is very weird to say that as an adult, but I was one of those people who was always on time for class. I never wanted to come late. I went, I was always there to the, to the bell ring. If there was any event that happened in the day, I made it, I made to my appointments on time. Now I'm just like, uh, I'll give it like, you know, five minutes or it's all right. If I come in a couple minutes late, it's this interesting thing because like at, at Twitter where I'm at right now, um, we have this thing where we we don't start meetings till five minutes after. So it's purposely for people to be able to have mm-hmm. that five minute break in between before you end up going to another meeting. So my meetings will start at like 105 PM and then end at 130 and the next one at 135. Um, so that's like for that very reason. So people don't come in late for from other meetings, et cetera. That is so funny. And I I feel so opposite from you because I was always a student who was tardy and I was like living five minutes away. Like I was always still to this day, like I'm like, oh, I have I have time. Like I'll, I'll make it and somehow make it late to like a dinner or something. I'm like, why? Why are we like this? I mean, just to kind of paint the picture, I hate telling the story because I'm like, it makes my family look bad. But we went to my brother's wedding late and it was like. We can't. The one thing that we're not supposed to do is show up to family's things, you know, like especially weddings late. And of course, we showed up late. <laughs> and he like roasts us for that, like still to this day. <laughs> but you know what um, it is? anyways, um, we could talk about. I'll go for it. Go for it. I, I was going to say, like, there is a I, I realized, too, that in our communities as Latinos and Latinas, like we a lot of us care about the way we look, we care about being, you know, just, we want to overachieve at a lot of things. And and part of that is too, the reason you come late is because you are literally trying to be like the best dress. So you're working on your hair or like anything last minute, right? Or, oh, make sure I get this watch on or something like that. And it tends to be the reason why we're always like late for everything. And then all it also, people have realized that when you come in about 20, 30 minutes late, it's a lot more comfortable. People are already there. You don't really have to go say hi to anyone yet. The party's already started. Like there's there's a science behind it. <laughs> that is so, I feel like you, you felt like my therapist right now because my therapist always gives me moments where like, I'm like, well, duh, but I never thought about it that way, you know? So I feel like you saying that was like, it, it's eye-opening because I'm like, of course, like that's exactly what it is. I'm getting ready. Or I just think of the times we were all late to church, similar to you. It was because there were seven of us getting ready in the bathrooms and looking all nice and wearing our most fresh like shirts and dresses. And it was it was like a whole like it was a whole show. Right. It was like the Garcia de Cordoba show. <laughs> and it's it's so funny to think about. But it's also true when you go to a party, we go an hour late because everyone's already drinking, having fun, comos, and we're just like, okay, now we could just like blend in, right? It's that's so funny you mentioned that. I like didn't even think of it. <laughs> um, but I wanna move on to to a little bit more about being Dominican and Puerto Rican and being Caribbean. 
where did where did your journey, whether it's your immigration story or your parents' immigration story, but how did you um how did you land in Philly? I love I love the origin story, right? Like how did Noel be like how was he um born in, in Philadelphia? Yeah, so the interesting thing about me is I wasn't even born in the States. So I was actually born in Santiago, Dominican Republic, but as I have, I kind of had the reverse story. Many people are born in DR. They live there for like until they're 10, 11, 12 years old. And then they immigrate over to the States. Whereas in, I was just born there. And in six months, I was already going to my other family in Puerto Rico. And then from there all the way to, to Philadelphia. The, the reason behind that is um, my mom, when she met my dad. So my dad, first of all, is from Puerto Rico. Um, and he did a lot of traveling. So he actually hilariously like met my mom at the time was through before social media time. So it was through like, I guess some <laughs> newspaper advertisements of like an equivalent of a dating kind of app today. And that's actually how oh they ended God. up meeting. <laughs> my dad was at the time in, uh, in New York and he, mm. in, in New York, especially, and I'm talking about like the early nineties which was a time where a lot of people were immigrating and coming in and where he was at, there was a lot of people from Dominican Republic, from Puerto Rico. So as, as he was meeting people, family, friends and such, he was getting connected, hearing about others on the island. And uh, my dad had a prior uh, marriage before me. So at this point, he was in his early 40s. He was a little older when he had me. Um, and he was still looking for love, right? And he went over to Dominican Republic ended up meeting my mom. That's the story there. And then as soon as I was born, I actually had the privilege because Puerto Rico is part of the United States as a territory where I was born as a dual citizen, essentially of Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, United States while I was in DR. So mm. I spent little to no time there. The reason I came to Philadelphia is because my dad, having lived in New York, saw it as being a little bit too crammed, way too expensive. And he fell in love with the city of Philadelphia as being uh, something where you could have more space to live in um, and a lot of history in, in the country. So uh, that's the reason behind that. That is so cool. A newspaper. I need to know what this like newspaper dating app was. <laughs> that's amazing. And I love that you painted that picture, right? Of your dad being 40 and still looking for love. And I just think that's a, it's a beautiful thing, right? That our families, like my dad met my mom after their first marriages, like they had their own separate families, marriages, and then, you know, it didn't go well. So they were looking for love themselves. And I just think it's like a beautiful thing that two older people can come together and create a family. And now here you are and making them proud, I'm sure. Um, but I, I want to kind of dissect the story a little bit more. So you being in Philadelphia, what was that like growing up? Were you like super solid in like, I'm both Dominican and Puerto Rican and this is who I am? Um, were you surrounded by folks who looked like you, sounded like you? I want to like, paint the picture of what it's like to grow up in Philly. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in, um, in a small neighborhood called Juniata in Philadelphia which is on the cusp of North Philly and Northeast Philly. And for it, for those who know or have heard of North, North Philly, probably through rappers and songs and such, it is not always <laughs> the best area. Um, it's a difficult area to live in. Um, and even in those times growing up as a kid, 
It was a little bit better than it is today, but still nevertheless a, a tough area. However, it was predominantly a mixed neighborhood. So around where I lived, it was, there were a lot of Puerto Ricans, a lot of black people. And then at that time, there were originally more white people and then starting to segment out, become more of a Latino community and black community kind of merging together. And then over time, it became more of a Latino community even then and now to today. So for, for me growing up in that area, um, was one where as when you're a kid, you're very innocent. You really don't know what's going on. But most of my friends, I, I didn't blink twice. I actually had more friends that were, um, I will say probably black, white, Asian than I did Puerto Rican because I would just interact with so many different people, regardless of the neighborhood that I grew up in. Mm. When, they, when people would come to the school, a lot of kids were traveling, not just from that neighborhood, but from other neighborhoods so that I would kind of get to meet everyone but there was not a lot of Dominicans, not in my school. So I guess you could say when I grew up as a kid, I probably was relating at that point more towards my Puerto Rican side, the Dominican side, just because I was around Puerto Ricans more. And I felt a little bit more comfortable because for the majority of the time in, in Puerto Rico, there's an embracement there of like you have both the U.S. and the Latin culture that kind of merges in some ways even though they're separate, but in some ways mm -hmm. there's some emergement there. So you just relate to people a lot more. Um, whereas in DR, that's a whole other topic. That's where I was born. That's where I was from, but that is an entirely different country um, that I had to get used to. As I got older, I started to build more of a connection to the Dominican Republic. And how, how did you start building that connection? Was it just through traveling there or how did that, how did you foster that relationship with that side? To be honest, uh, the story behind how I fostered that connection um, with my Dominican family for many, many, many years, it was very hard to, to meet them. And this is before social media. When I was growing up as a kid, I had to go walk to La Bodega, the corner store, and buy one of those telephone cards so my mom could make calls to Dominican Republic and call her family and for us to be on the line. There was no FaceTime. There was none of this for us to interact like we do today. Um, so that was a, that was a hard mm -hmm. thing. First of all, where you, you're not going to feel a physical connection. You're not seeing your family often. You only hear their voices here and there. So even though, you know, they're your tias and tios and your primos, and, but you don't see them. So it's very hard for you to kind of feel the same connection as you do towards the people that you see every day, um, and love, although, you know, that's your family and you love them, but you don't get to see them as often. Yeah. So as I, as I got older, um, the real story, it is a much longer story is my grandmother um, ended up getting the ability to travel to the States for the first time in her entire life to see me graduate from college at Penn State University in 2014. And mm -hmm. it, it was for that reason. It was because I was graduating that she was allowed permission to come. And my grandmother at the time was like in her, I want to say late 80s, early 90s. And she was granted permission to go. And once I saw her come, I said, I had to, I have to go there. I have to finally make a trip over there. So got my passport, saved money. Obviously I was a broke college student. So it wasn't that easy to just save money, <laughs> go on a flight and hop over to DR. Um, and the first time I landed in Dominican Republic as an adult, because I think I was taken there when I was seven years old, but I don't remember much as an adult is when it all came full circle. And when I got to see my where my mom grew up, my grandma, like all of my family there, 
all the stories just came to life. And I realized that I'm actually today way more privileged than I could have ever thought because my family in DR, uh, majority of them are from El Campo. They're not in, in these areas where there's a lot of money or a lot of resources and things. So it was an entirely different world than what I grew up in Philadelphia. And I think for me, that just made me realize like, I need to help. Like I need to, this is part of my blood. This is who I am. It's just that I haven't felt this connection the way that I probably could have, if I would have been able to, to be here. And now from there on forward, I said, I'm not going to just tell people and just act like I'm only Puerto Rican. I'm not I'm Puerto Rican and Dominican. In fact, I was born in Dominican Republic, but for some reason there's this <laughs> thing because I grew up in the States and I grew up around a lot of Puerto Ricans that I always start with. I'm Puerto Rican and Dominican versus I'm Dominican and Puerto Rican, which is an interesting thing to me why I even say it that way. That's so interesting. And that's some Osuna vibes, <laughs> right? Osuna, um, Nikki Jan, Romeo Santos. I, they're all mixed. They're all Puerto Rican and Dominican. Mm. Oh my God. No, but that's a, such a beautiful story because I think you're talking about like well, one, I don't know what it's like to be bicultural, right? And especially like two Caribbean countries that are very strong, right? And their and their pride and like being Dominicano, being Puerto Ricano. I love that you're painting this picture of, you know, like at one point, yeah, it was you were closer to the Puerto Rican side, but as an adult, it's almost like seasons of your life, right? Like a season of exploration. And you went into DR, explored, really like kind of sat with your roots right and saw where your family was from I'm curious like how was that moment for you when you were seeing like where your family grew up the stories were coming to life like how did that kind of change your perspective or just change like did it change your perspective at all or did it change the way you like went about life like just seeing that it made me appreciate more what I had because and I say that because I'm a first generation college grad. And for me to have witnessed my grandmother who's never stepped foot in the US fly all the way over and come to my graduation to have her in that audience, which I never thought was gonna ever be possible was like a dream come true. And same thing, just seeing my mom as well and connecting that to where I saw where they were living, where they grew up, all the kids in DR, like. It, it was just very different for me. Like, I actually felt really sad. I felt like, I, what can I do? Like, I want to help them more. Like, I didn't realize how good I had it until I finally was able to step foot on the island. And it's not just Dominican Republic. It's the same thing even in Puerto Rico. But both islands, I felt an instant connection. Like, this is something I need to do more of. Like, I need to visit more. I need to be in contact with my family more. Um, I need to find ways to, to help. But also... That's why I'm here. Like, that's exactly why I want to share my story and why I continue to share my story everywhere. Uh, this hit very hard for me in particular because uh, in 2011, I ended up losing my father, um, who was by one connection to Puerto Rico, right? And we weren't, a me and my brother, we weren't able, I have a younger brother, um, and we weren't able to visit Puerto Rico until after he passed away was the first time I went. And that was because we never really had a lot of money growing up. We didn't have the fortune to be able to bring the entire family over to Puerto Rico. So I wasn't able to have that moment of him showing me 
you know, what the island is like, showing me where he grew up and everything. And the times that I've gone now, that has been because family members have taken me and have shown me that pointed out things um, about my dad. So I learned so much more from him after he passed away than I knew when he was still here, which was so interesting, but also made me appreciate him into this day even more than ever. And it's the same thing at Dominican Republic, where in, in 2017, in May of that same year, like I ended up losing my grandmother, the same person who went to my graduation. So this was a, it was like a very hard thing for my mom and for the entire family, because my mom was always talking to her and constantly on the phone. Like she did everything for my grandmom. And then fast forward six, six more months after that, then my mom passed away in December of 2017. So I'm sharing this with wow. everyone because this is the reason why I do what I do, which is I not only do I appreciate where I come from in my family, but I share my story because there's often a lot of us who don't get to talk about the importance of our heritage, our ancestors, the fight that our parents did to immigrate, to bring us, to set us up to a particular place where we can now achieve those goals. So it all ties into my story of being a first-gen Latino and also being in technology, which is another story. Um, so that's, that, that's, that's really the reason why I'm so passionate about uh, connecting back to the islands to my home and sharing. Wow. I thank you for sharing that on the space. And so sorry that you lost three really important people in your life. And just big. I love to see, and I will say this like to anyone, I love to see Latinos, men specifically, being vulnerable and being able to share some of these hard moments because it encourages that for more men, more Latino men, right? We're growing up in a culture where it's got to be rough around the edges, yes, el otro, but I thank you for sharing that. And, you know, speaking of you being a first generation Latino and you, you know, thinking about the reason that you're here, the reason that you're telling the story on this platform, on other platforms is because of your parents. Let's let's talk a little bit more about that story. Like, what is that story of you being a first-gen college graduate to you being in tech? What's what's the story and what's the journey there? Um, there is the story of being a first-gen student and a first-gen college graduate, however other people like to define it, is one of tons of uncertainty and risk and moments where you're scared, right? Where you don't know what you want to be do, what you want to become, nor where you should go, nor who you do you reach out to. There's a lot of questions. And I don't think we have had enough help. And I mean, it's very tough to be out there. Imagine just like you your family does everything to put you in a situation for you to succeed. You're there. Mm -hmm. You're here. You made it. You finally enter. You're in college, for example. I attended Penn State. It was my first time. No one in my family has ever graduated from the U.S. in college. Um, and on top of that, I had to navigate that entire path, having lost my father at that time as a sophomore in, in college, which was extremely mm -hmm. hard for me. But the reason I talk so much about being first-gen is because there is a 
when you talk about the workforce today and careers and how you move up career ladders and all of those things, there's a lot of skills you can have, right? There's a lot of skills you can gain. Mm-hmm. You can read from a book. You can't read from a book on how to succeed as a first gen student. You are you oh are my thrown God, into you a fire. <laughs> you are thrown into exist. a fire. No you have to put out. <laughs> there is. Um, I'll give it a, a, an example. If anyone here, and I'm sure a lot have probably seen In the Heights, the movie, right? That came out last year. The mm-hmm. entire story of, of Nina, like the main character of being the student who got away from the neighborhood and the first to make it out and 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 then to have some difficulties and challenges after being there in class and semesters, that that's a story for a lot of us here today. And I, I think like no one has that that clear path. So it's it's a triple, quadruple accomplishment when a first gen student graduates college. That it should be celebrated. That should, and then mentors should be there to start helping that person to coach them. And it's something we need to work on as a community because it starts with the older generation of Latinos and Latinas out there. And uh, being a millennial, I can tell you, it's not the easiest either. You know, we don't get all the help that we necessarily need sometimes. So we also need to step up to the plate and help the younger people that are coming out. And that's the way, the only way actually in which the entire Latino community can be a force together. It's like, it's through unity. It's not through separation of I made it. So I don't help you out because I did it this way. It's more, here's my path and let me help you. Right. And you choose yours. Oh my God, Noe, this is exactly why I started the podcast. It's to represent these stories and like create, even if it's not even a clear blueprint, but create some type of conveyor belt of like stories that we've all been through. Right. And some of the best, like you know, there's there's lots of ways to measure success on a podcast. You can measure it by metrics and whatnot. But I think the most valuable pieces of data that I receive is messages from people saying, thank you for putting out this episode because I was going through, you know, the same thing Noel was going through and I was able to get through it a little a little faster or just realize I'm not alone. Right. But it's that first gen. It's it's almost like trailblazer vibes. That's how I describe it. Like being a first gen, like you said, there's no blueprint, there's no guide, there's no like, here's how to succeed. It's really like trial and error, go figure it out, you know, go ask for help. If you if you can go find these resources, Um, you know, if you don't feel like you fit in, like you made it, though, you're here, you know, you're representing not just yourself, you're representing a whole community behind you. And it's that pressure, right, of like. I can't, I can't fail. Like I can't, I can't not do a good job here. Like I have to make it. Is that, is that similar? You're nodding your head. I'm like, is that what you felt? Yeah. And and I I want to add one piece of information as, as you just mentioned that, which came to my mind and I've heard this a lot. I have family and friends who grew up with me and our career paths couldn't be much more different the way we headed, even though we may have started together, we didn't finish together and we all took different mm-hmm. routes right i'm going straight someone's going sideways someone's taking three steps backwards like it it's it's a different path for each person but one common thing i always hear from and i've heard this from even my own family members is when you start having the conversation about college and education and studies there's a common theme especially amongst latinos and latinas where we're, we're told like, 
oh, you, you don't really have to do that. You can just open a business and that's it. You don't really got to go to college. You don't have to go to school. And there is a path for that. Not that you can't be successful without college. There's a lot of evidence in that too. But mm-hmm. to tell someone that they can't be great at studying, that they can't take a book and learn how to do math or be good at tech and learn how to use computers to take the 13-year-old Latino kid right now who is playing video games all day and punish that kid versus instead saying, can we take this knowledge you have of how good you are at this and make yourself into a computer programmer or a video game designer, right? And start training them that Mm -hmm. way versus just like, oh, get off, get off the games, right? Like everyone has those misconceptions. And, And then there's the financial part that is always a problem for all of us. But I will tell you, me, I went to school. I paid through everything through scholarships and a little bit of help through loans. How did I get those scholarships? By getting good grades. And the government just gave me a lot of freaking money, right? Because in high school, it was all about, could you get good grades? And then two, if you're a minority, you're going to be helped. There's so many scholarships and opportunities out there now that people are awarding people of color, right? To just give give a glimpse of hope, right? Be passionate, show that you want to do this and someone will come and help you. So to act like there's not a, a forum for that and just disregard it because you're you're scared or you have fear, that's that's not the way that parents should be teaching their their kids or, or students. So it's like you can do whatever you want to put your mind to. There is a way to do it. Oh, I love that you mentioned that, especially that not every path needs to look the same and not every path to success looks a certain way, right? And I think that does get misconstrued. Like, I mean, while your family was saying start a business, you could do this. Other families might be saying like, you need to be a lawyer, you need to be a doctor, you need to be an engineer, right? Or like, you need to go to school, you need to do X, Y, Z. And there's so many different ways, right, that Latino parents can influence or parents in general can influence. But thinking about Latinos, especially immigrants who come from, you know, Los Campos, don't come from a lot. It's all about, like, be successful, a.k.a. just have stability, right? Like, don't struggle. And I think about that for myself, like, my family was never the type to push, like, do this, do that, like, make money. Or no, they were they were pushing on making money, but but more of like the lawyer, the doctor. They weren't they weren't doing that. To me, they were telling me, do anything you want to do as long as you're making good money and that you're stable and that you're not like looking at the price for a milk carton, right? And so for me, it was that was kind of the goal was you know I can do whatever I want, like you're saying, but I need to make sure I have mm. stability. But what's interesting is that. And I don't know if you feel this. I'm curious to know what you what you experienced. But what I had to switch in my adult life was switching from a place of scarcity and fear. Like, I'll just take any job because I don't want to struggle or I don't want to, you know, I want stability versus being intentional and saying, well, I know I can get a good job that I love, you know, and like I can still make good money. So I really feel like I had to flip that narrative in my own head, like, you can still be happy and make good money at a good company. Like, you know what I mean? And there's no blueprint for that either. I'm like, okay, well, it looks like people are just sitting behind a desk, like doing their thing, like, and you make money, but realizing you have a choice to be a little more intentional and get a job at Twitter, get a job at LinkedIn and doing something that does bring you joy. And it doesn't, 
you know, and it, it makes good money too. <laughs> I think that's just a, it's, it's a different, like, I'm curious, like, did you feel that too? Like, did you have to flip from like fear, scarcity to like, okay, I can kind of come from a place of peace too. Well, first, um, I know I've talked about Twitter, but shout out to LinkedIn as well. Social media, you know how it is. So we, it's, 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 <laughs> we uh, it's interesting. Like we're, we're all, we're all here, you know, we out here, um, to, to your question there, there is this, this thing where people believe that we need to have it all and that it needs to come fast. And if not, we failed or forget it, push it to the side. We don't even want to look at it anymore or we're just negative towards it. The reality is that it's still a process. Even if you're a minority, if you're given an opportunity, especially going to corporate world, we are minorities, right? Like you, we're so we're mm -hmm. blessed to be here because 20 years ago, we were an afterthought. We weren't looked at, we weren't hired. There was, it, it is a blessing to be here. However, just because we're here, does not mean we just made it here because we're a minority and that's and that's it. You're you're now it, right? Like now now it's your time to mm -hmm. make a statement and to work your way. But this notion of you need to have it all, it takes time. I started my career in consulting. I worked for about five and a half years at Deloitte Consulting and a year at Slalom. And let me tell you, in the consulting business, it is a hard world. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of moving around. I used to travel on planes every Monday through Thursday for about five years when I was before COVID times, obviously 2014 to 2019. And it was tough. And what I realized the first day when I came to, to Deloitte is a lot of people that I was surrounded by had went to the Harvards and the Yales and the top schools and programs have families and uncles who were a partner or a cousin who, who was here and there. And when it came mm -hmm. to me sharing my story, I was like, I don't have anyone. I, I don't, no one in my family has ever done consulting. I'm, I'm the first one that I have no idea what this career path can lead me to, but I'm just really excited to be here and just to learn and to grow. But you're thrown in the weaves. You have to pick up. You have a mindset where you've got to work with people. You've got to prove yourself a little bit. And then over time, as you gain those skills, then it's your time to start moving and making your way upwards. I'm at Twitter today, but people don't realize the path that it took to get to Twitter for me to get recognized in the interview process for my resume to stand out. It wasn't just come in because you worked at one company. Now that helps, but it also people don't see. I spent a bunch of time studying for certifications to get my project management certification, to look at Scrum Master. I asked for different opportunities in these consulting engagements to get me out of my early career where I used to work in government to commercial, to entertainment, to then making my way over to media and, and obviously getting to Twitter now where I, I had my way to the door, but it's all a process. So if you're that person out there who's listening and you're just like, I don't know if this is for me or I don't know, it, it can be for you, but don't expect results overnight. Like it's, it's like, any sports mm -hmm. reference, like Michael Jordan shot a bunch of free throws, right? Like he took a process. It's not, you're not going to be perfect <laughs> in one day. Oh my, I'm just like, okay, you like remind me of, uh, what's that? What's that billionaire's name or millionaire's name that does all these like motivational talks? You remind me of him. <laughs> but I, I want to hear about the journey because you just said not a lot of people know about my journey to get into to tech, into Twitter. 
what what's what is that story what's that journey and paint that picture of like you kind of painted it already or alluded to it of like going from consulting to commercial to entertainment like walk us through that journey and getting where you are now it, it there were a lot of uh zigzags i will tell you that um my my journey began back in college when i said i wanted to work in the tech industry and a fun fact um, and this is very, this is, this is true. And I haven't actually revealed it to a ton of people, but I will hear the, I kid you not, the final conversation that I had with my father before he ended up unexpectedly passing away that same day, that same exact day, he was on the computer. I was sitting on the bed. He turned around and he started asking me, talking in Spanish and saying, no, I get to get it. I said, like, what, what's your career? Like, what, what do you want to do in life? And I told him, I want to travel. Like, I want to travel. I want to work in tech. I'm not really a programmer, developer. I don't really see that. I was a sophomore. I was like, I don't really see that being my path. <laughs> I'm more like the business and tech side. And uh, that was like, our, our literally like our final conversation. I remember that to this day because that's exactly wow. what I did. <laughs> like what I, what I promised that I was going to do. And it's just one of those, those things. And act of God, like it's just a fate type of thing where, I wasn't, he, he did not ask me any other day. It just happened to be that one day where he ended up passing later in the night. So it, it was something where I was happy to be able to get Whoa. off my chest. And since that moment, throughout my time in college, I said, this is what I'm going to do. What I didn't know though, was that the field of consulting existed. So I started two years mm. at a local branch campus for Penn State, where I didn't get the full college experience for those two years. It was more like, a campus at a community college type of vibe, but it was still part of Penn State and allowed me to learn a lot there and and learn from very smart people. But then the real business happened when I transferred there to the main campus, which went from maybe 7,000 students to 50,000 plus students where predominantly the majority were oh white. Oh my God. And that was the first <laughs> time I'd ever experienced that where I was a super minority and, and there was just not a lot of people around me that looked like me. And I was at a disadvantage in the college of, of technology there because I didn't really have no one to talk to. Like I'm not only am I transfer, I'm coming here. I'm a junior now, you know, I'm like 19, 20 years old, but I also don't have a clique of friends, friends here at all. And I had to learn on my feet. And from, from there, I actually got an opportunity where I had good grades. I did an internship in New York City before then. And that set me up for success at, at Penn State because uh, Deloitte, funny story, Deloitte came around the corner. My roommate was a finance major. I knew nothing about Deloitte or consulting at all. <laughs> and he said, he told me and encouraged me to apply to Deloitte because he's like, oh yeah, that's a great company. I was like, I, what is this, right? Like I had no idea what it was. But I applied to it because I met the qualifications. I had a good GPA and I was like, okay, let's see. Four months later, like I went to the interview process. I got the internship and I think I was as an intern, like I was making really good money as an intern for by hour for that summer. I got to travel to Virginia and then I got a full-time offer after that. My entire senior year in college, I was good. I had a job. So naturally, wow. like I had fun. <laughs> I partied with everyone, made sure my grades were good. I already had a career on the line. And then that started my journey for about the next five or six years um, where I worked with so many different clients um, across 
healthcare, like I mentioned, media, uh, government, including one of my favorites, which was in Puerto Rico. And that's all I'll say. Um, did not name any names, but I did get it. I did get a chance to go work in Puerto Rico, which was a dream come true to be in my homeland, actually mm. working on an engagement. Um, and then I said, enough's enough. This is right before COVID happened, where I said I did not want to travel anymore. I now wanted to just be more chill, relax, like get to enjoy a lot of the more the finer things. Cause being on the plane Monday through Thursday is hard to do. And your eating habits are mm. just get messed up, all sorts of things. Um, so I did a year, I did a year at Slalom and I grew. I I worked with Philadelphia clients. And then eventually I became a scrum master at one of my clients there where I got some opportunities working with a media entertainment company. And that led me to Twitter. And here I am today. And, and now as we're speaking, like I am one of the platform engineering strategy and operation team members uh, for Twitter. So those are a lot of the people that I work with are the ones who should get more love than they do. And, and that's just because they are the back end <laughs> facing people who make sure that the uh, app is running successfully and reliable, looking at data migrations, cloud, all of that great work that that keeps us going every single day. And I work with them and helping them out with project management uh, related activities. So I love what I do. Oh, my God. You your whole journey. I'm just like, first of all, you're a powerful storyteller. And I think that's something that runs in like the Latino cultura. But I'm just so in awe of like this first. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking the whole time, like that's such a first gen story because you saying Deloitte never heard of it. Like I'll apply. Like you had no background, like you literally had zero background. And it reminded me of like me being moving to San Jose State, going to San Jose State. And they were like, we're right by Silicon Valley. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I had zero idea. And it's that's what I was thinking about the whole time, like such a first gen story. Like it's almost like you scrap, you're scrappy, right? Like you kind of fall into these really amazing opportunities. And some people, some people may see it as like, oh, he's been working at Deloitte. He had it all together. But you were really like, like you said, a zigzag, you were trying to figure it out because like you said, there is no blueprint for how to succeed as a first gen. You just got to go out there and, and do it. <laughs> there, there's, there is no blueprint. It's, there's a lot more resources today than there were even mm -hmm. six, seven or eight years ago. And especially at the university level, uh, a lot of mm -hmm. attention, obviously, rightfully so, due to the George Floyd movement. Black Lives Matter and so much more that's happening in our world has been focused on diversity recruiting, expansion in universities to hire more people of color, professors, and so much. That wasn't even not the case when I graduated in 2014. And it's so much has changed in the last six, seven or eight years. So at that point in time, when we were growing up, when I was in school, it it was still a challenge, right? And so much has changed since then, which is for the better, but there's still so much more work that needs to done needs to be done. So I just encourage people, if you're lost, if you feel like if your story is very similar to ours, to mine, where like you're trying to navigate through your career path where you think that, or someone out there, right? Because we all get this too. Let me tell you, how many times in your family have you had that one person or two who started seeing you succeed and then backs away and just completely disengages or tries to make you make it seem like what you're doing is not really celebratory. It's like a lot of hate and envy happens 
mm-hmm. <laughs> as you get, as you move <laughs> up and become more successful. So I'm like, let, you know what I mean? I'm going to drop the mic on that one. Like it's, it's. Oh yeah. I mean, there's always going to be haters in the fam, right? They're like, you know, te crees mucho, ya te crees esto y el otro. Like there's always going to be those people, right? That just. I don't know what it is, lo que sea, celos, or que sera. I have no idea, but I think, like, it's it's kind of our duty, right, to show that you can still be yourself. And this is one of the questions I was going to ask you, but one thing that I love about our conversation is that, you know, like, I don't know what a Philly accent sounds like, but you sound Latino to me, like, the way you're speaking, like, you sound hella Latino, <laughs> no pun intended. But also, I just feel like, it's it's really cool to see someone who has had all this success in his career, but is still showing up as his authentic self, telling people about his version story, talking about being Puerto Rican and Dominican. I think it's also one thing that you talked about earlier in the episode is that, you know, just because you made it doesn't mean like you're in and you're like, cool, you're chill, like the work's done. Like it's it's about showing up as your full self, which is easier said than done, right? But showing up as your full self, talking about who you are and allowing space for others who are Puerto Rican, Dominican, Hondureñas to see like, I can still be myself, still wear the big hoops, the red lipstick and have my long nails and be in a space where typically we weren't invited to the table before, but now I can be in that space and know I can succeed and my voice is valued. I feel like it's also showing la cultura, the people in our, our community, the haters, right? That we can still be us and still be in that space. And just knowing like not everyone's going to be a fan of you. I've had to learn that hard in my life. Like not everyone's going to be a fan and that's fine. <laughs> as look they're, they're not, but that's also right. And that's, that's what makes it, that's what makes it even sweeter. It's like, no, we're always, if you're, if you have haters, you're doing something right. You put it that way. Right. Like you're doing something <laughs> right. Like there's, there's, that's just what it is. Uh, you mentioned something that was really, really interesting. And it's, and I think it's like even how you show up, right? Your authentic self to work. There was a time when I was growing up where, especially in my teens, as a Latino man, it, it was frowned upon for me to have a beard. It's like, you can't rock a beard like that. You have to, mm. you, you can't even have an interview. Like that's just not professional. Like that is what I was hearing and all of these type of things that has changed so much since then. Tattoos, earrings, uh, like all of that. Right. And now it's, it's, you can look the way you want. You can do as you please. If you can get the job done, you can get the job done. Right. Like it's not anymore trying to just not give someone an opportunity because of the way they speak or if they have an accent or the way that they look. We can't always assume everything. Like I ask people, there you'd be surprised to know many people don't actually know across America that Puerto Rico is part of the United States. They they don't. Mm-hmm. And and I have to remind I have to remind that because as soon as I go into like talking about where I'm from, everyone thinks it's like a whole different island and place and world. And <laughs> and I'm just like, wait a second, like. I have to remind people, I'm like, I was born in the Dominican Republic, but I'm half Puerto Rican. But people don't immediately understand that that means you're a U.S. citizen because Puerto Ricans are U.S. citizens. So there's there's a lot of identity um, issues um, every everywhere. But I don't you can't shy away from being who you are. I will go into interviews. I will go into my own meetings um, looking different every day. I, I go I've gone to the office now wearing jeans and Yeezys and my chain. Like, I'm just comfortable hey. doing this. Like, 
it's it I don't have to worry about putting on a suit and that's it, right? Like I am who I am. I can come as 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 I want, but I also can flex in different situations. Like if I need to go to a business meeting, I will be professional. I will come prepared. I will dress my part, right? And I will give my presentation and speech just the same way that when work ends at 5, 6 p.m., whatever that time is, I can also take off the suit and go hang out with the boys, go hang out with my friends, my homies, everything, and and just come full circle. Like that's that's the best part is I can blend in any situation right now. I can walk around the streets here and I'm just another guy, but I have no idea mm-hmm. who I am or what I've done or anything. So it's a shocker to everyone. And it was a big thing in Philadelphia as well, where like, I fit in my community. But as soon as they hear me talk, they're like, something's different about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, don't even get me started on that. I remember when I when I went back to Southeast, um, hanging out with one of my, my best friends. She's like a, a homie for life. We were friends since like second grade, like 20 years now, which is kind of crazy to think about 20 years plus. Um, but she was when I first got got my job and everything and I went back there, she was like, why you sound like that? <laughs> I was like, like what? And she's like, she's like, stop pretending to be somebody else. Be from Southeast. <laughs> and it was so funny to me, though, because I was like, thank God I have people like this to hold hold it down. Right. And like remind me, like, don't forget where you're from. Like you're a Latina from Southeast, just like all of us. And it's just it's beautiful because you just reminded me of that story of like, just your homies, your day ones, like people in Philly, people from Southeast San Diego who just like remind you, like, we know who you are, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know who you, we, right. So there's, it's it's kind of a double thing at the same time. It's like, yes, when you're around your friends, they want you to, they want you to be you, right? Like how they always right. know you. But don't get that confused either with someone who's speaking now who has wisdom and intellect and is speaking in a mm-hmm. different demeanor than maybe when they were younger and speaking in a different slang or language. Because I think that's that's the difference, mm. right? It's like, just because I don't use the same words that I did before, I just grew. I had different vocabulary now. Like, I, I just articulate things a little bit And embrace different. that so, too, right? <laughs> right, you should, you should embrace that. So when you talk to your Diaz and Theos and they don't understand, it's like, you have to break it down, right? Like, I, I'm like, I yes, I used to talk this way or maybe I used to, uh, act in this manner, but I'm grown now. Like this is, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. It's actually a good sign if you adapt over time. So it, it's something to be proud of too, right? Don't hate on yourself just because you right. think you sound different because now you work in corporate or you have some other lingo, <laughs> just blend both worlds, right? Like I, I, it's easy to do. Like, it's just like literally be yourself in any situation. Know when to be professional and know when it's fine to be informal and, and when you're hanging out with your friends. You know, you mentioned something that someone on my podcast has mentioned before. And shout out to Gabe Lomeli, who also works in, in tech at LinkedIn. He talked about being like, this is a new breed of Latinos. He said, it's like, we're all chameleons. Like we can blend, like you were saying, flex in each situation. Like we can. And I think about like, who we are as a community like first generation blending into these different spaces learning how to adapt learning how to be like you know like fit in ask the right questions like okay how do we do this how do we do that like that's literally our superpower is we can be chameleons we can go with our families think about myself right i can go with my parents speak spanish for a whole day and then i can go hang out with my friends from southeast and like you know do our little slang thing and i can be in a meeting and talk still like myself in a different demeanor like you mentioned 
And I think that's just such a, it's such a beautiful first gen thing that we, we have this innate gift compared to a lot of people, which I was very surprised. I'm like, okay, not, not a lot of people know how to do this, right? Being able to adapt to their environment and situations. And it's almost a superpower at the same time to be able to talk to many different people from different backgrounds and being able to understand them, talk with them, vibe with them, connect. Like it's a, it's a superpower that we have. And I, I feel like I want more first gens to embrace that part of us that maybe was hard for us growing up, but like, look where it can take this. I agree a hundred percent. Like, and a chameleon is like a really good, uh, <laughs> metaphor for that because I, I feel like that's that's exactly like how we are and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with embracing both sides uh you know and knowing when to when to flex in a certain situation it, it actually can even help you in, in many situations in life um there's there's always especially in the corporate world people don't if they don't understand like i've seen people go We've had a couple, like I've had a couple field trips or, you know, just showing the neighborhood of Philly around us, some coworkers. You, you see a little bit of a fear because like, oh my God, I'm in a new hood or new area or like people don't look like me or, you know, like it's, it's the streets look a little different than what I'm used to in the suburbs or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just laugh and, and I'm just like, oh, you're scared of that. Like it, that freaks you out. Like that's where I grew up in. Like, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm right, right here, right? Like, like it's, right. It's, it's the reality of where we come from, which is why I, I think we'd ever lose that sight where, yes, you can have all the money in the world. You can have all the fame. You could be the best person at your job, whatever the case may be. But you never should and can forget about where you came from or where you started because that's a part of your identity. It's a part of what made you unique. Without that story, who knows where you get to? There's, every successful person has a story behind them. And it's sad when we don't hear about it, when people don't want to tell it, when people don't want to give others tips and tricks and how to navigate in their career because there's so much wisdom there that can be shared. What point is it in your life if it's not, if you make it, you go through everything, but you don't try to give back to others. So you don't try to share that with others. What is that legacy that you're leaving? If my parents work so hard to put me in position to succeed now, they're gone. And the way I look at it, they, their purpose in life was for me to have the job that I have now to, for me to be the man that I am today. And the same thing for my younger brother and for my family. That is what they did. They raised me very hard for me to be in this position. Now I'm taking it and step forward from here on out. My kids are not going to be first gen college graduates, right? Like I have done all of this work. I put the foundation. So there's no reason for you to drop the ball now. Everything you work hard for, that's the same thing I'm going to teach to my kids one day and be able to just say, look, it's your world now. I did everything that I could do, but you're not <laughs> living the same life that I did. It is entirely a different world. And now we're going to make progress. Now you, as a first-gen grad, first-gen student, you changed your legacy. You changed the direction of your entire ancestors everything in one moment in one moment you changed it all and now you just gotta continue that path and and build you you got to oh my god snaps and you know shout out to generational wealth generational knowledge like all those things that you know the first gens had to go through or are going through to build that legacy as you were talking about 
And I have one more question for you. I know we're at time, but if you have like a minute, I want to ask you this question just yeah, because I, I always think about if there's anyone listening, going through it, I want, I want them to know a little bit about how you got through it. But you talked about being a sophomore and not only, you know, dealing with your dad passing and going through those, that grieve and grieving moments, but how did you go to a school that was all white you were the first at the you know first moment you're like okay I know I'm not the majority here how did you go through that experience while also you know dealing with school while also dealing with you know your your dad passing how was how was that experience for you I'm like I'm just thinking about sophomore you and thinking oh my god I have so much empathy for that that Noel right going through it because it's a whole new world for you sophomore me did not even understand that at that time the things that I was going through was mental health was depression was a lot of the terminologies we use today but at that moment as a as a younger I'll say kid growing up right like you're a young adult I didn't even know what that was there was just one thing on my mind with my dad passing away and I forgot to mention this. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She did not work. And my younger brother was in high school. So when my dad passed away, he was the moneymaker, even though what he did was maybe landscaping and working under the table. He was not someone who, again, had this high salary or anything like that. It was, it was a difficult time still. With him passing away, that set a spiral into my own family, right? My mom... Being a stable mom, now realizing that, you know, it's a different world for her. And I took it as the older brother, as the adult, as the, the man in the family now, that I needed to take everyone out of the situation. And the only way I figured that out was what I had in front of me, which was college, which was two and a half, three more years left of this and my only goal was graduate with a job because any job would be making more money than what we had in that situation. So my mentality was make my dad proud, graduate with a job. But then as I got into a couple more semesters, I realized it's not just about getting any job anymore. It's about getting the job. It's about I have good grades. I have a great GPA, right? Like I'm doing good. I'm succeeding in this college life. Let me make sure I, I come with the best possible offer. So when I got that internship, um, the first thing I did was I drove back home and I went to my mom and I showed her that offer letter. And we literally both were just like in tears that day because it was such an emotional thing for us, for her to see her, her son and for me to see how happy my mom was and know that, hey, we're, we're getting somewhere. And I got to do that for three more years because after I graduated in 2014, I had three more years of my mom's life that, again, she passed unexpectedly. She had a heart attack. I had no idea that, that was going to happen. We, she was not sick in a way that we thought anything was going to occur. And she was only 51 years old. And I still feel so happy today that I had three more years after that to give her everything and anything she wanted in those three years as I was working <laughs> as full time at Deloitte and, and taking that uh that forward. So for anyone that's hearing, there there are going to be better times. We 
and life often forget what are what is the most valuable thing and that's that's literally a life that's a person that's our family but there will be better times everyone's going to have to go through this everyone at some day is going to lose their parents going to lose loved ones it's just a natural thing that happens once i started to realize that i said it is okay now for now on the way that i cope with things is i spread my story i talk to people that is my therapy it's joining a podcast right like it, it is it is being here <laughs> with you like right and and just being able to share yeah what i've gone through it to be able to help others so there, there are ways to do it um and if you really really need to see someone i highly recommend obviously getting professional help as well um that's that's probably the best solution don't just try to fight everything out on your own Oh, Noel, all this wisdom you have, you were like making me tear up talking about your mom and, you know, having that moment with her, reading the offer letter and doing that three more years, right? Of giving her whatever she wanted. I just feel like I I'm just in awe of your story and awe of you and just want to show some gratitude. Like, thank you for being in this space and sharing the space and telling your story because it's so powerful and the way you talk about it is so powerful. And I'm just like, so I'm just going to, I'm going to text Scott after this and be like, uh, thank you for <laughs> having Noed on the podcast and introducing us. But <laughs> again, just like big, big kudos to you, big props to to share your story, especially as a Latino. I, I will never not appreciate a Latino being vulnerable and sharing that story. So just wanted to give space for gratitude. <laughs> I just, I want to like thank you for, for giving me the platform um, for all the listeners to be able to be here with me to hear my story. Um, and as well as just taking some, if you take anything away from this, it's you're, you're not alone. Like you're not alone. And if you're afraid to reach out to someone, there are so many people today that are in the shoes that you want to be in, but you can't get there until you reach out to people and start connecting and networking. No, no one who is at the top of their game right now today made it without going through some sort of struggle, some obstacle, some life journey, right? And if you're an ally, an ally of our community of Latinos, Latinas, like also realize like we deal with this every single day, like every day. No one knows what you've been through. No one knows like what you're, what you're going to go through, but just have a little bit of sympathy for people as well in, in today's world and understanding that it's not easy for us, right? Like it's not, there's, there's no roadmap. There never has been. We are making this into our own as, as we grow. So I just want to leave everyone with that. And, and I also want to shout out to everyone. If you want to reach out to me, you can follow me on Twitter at Noel Claudio underscore. <laughs> um, and then also on LinkedIn as well, which uh, I'll share, I'll share the link with everyone. Um, but thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And it'll all be in the show notes too. And that's so funny because my next question was be, how can people <laughs> connect with you? Uh, but thank you for being like on top of it. But I want to end this beautiful, beautiful conversation. You kind of already did it, but I want to end with a little brindis. And I like doing this with our cafecito because it's rebranding. Uh, but I want to close with the brindis and give you the space to to say what you want to cheers to and what you want to manifest for our Latino community. I don't have my cup here ready. <laughs> I, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to cheer to everyone in our community who is living their dream, who is fighting hard and 
doing something that they never thought they could do before and overcoming obstacles. Like shout out to, to every one of you who did something that people said you couldn't do because that is, and has been our entire life story. And now you continue to live that out. Next thing you know, you're going to be the person in charge. So shout out to that. Now, didn't I tell y'all that was going to be an amazing episode? <laughs> Thank you all really so much for tuning in today, for tuning in all the time. Please leave a comment um, in Apple if you're using Apple. If not, leave a comment in my website. I love seeing what y'all think. Shout out to every single first gen out there making their familias proud, making yourself proud. I hope y'all, while you're chasing and hustling and wanting more, that you also take moments to pause and find gratitude and also tell yourself how proud you are of yourself and and bask in how far you've come because we don't do that enough. If y'all want to connect with Noel, um, go to Twitter and you can find him at Noel Claudio and you can find him on LinkedIn as well. He's popping on both platforms. And see y'all next week for more Cafecito and Chismen. For more Hello Latino updates, follow Hello Latino Podcast on IG. You can also follow my personal IG at OHJ4ASMINE. And of course, find me on LinkedIn. My website is also a great place for y'all to connect with me, olalisjasmine.com. Y con mucho amor, familia Nureña.